if God said that your children are going to be saved, I don't care what drug has gripped its hand over them. I don't care what vice of this world is holding them. The blood is greater than the vice. And if God said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your house shall be saved, then I fully expect to come back to this house and see you worshiping and praising God with your children standing right next to you. You either pull down strongholds or they pull you down. You either cast down imaginations of the enemy or they cast you down. You either bring every thought captive obedient to the word or those thoughts will bring you captive obedient to darkness. So the weapons that we have are not carnal, but they are mighty. I got news for you. We're coming into a move of the Spirit that the half has not yet been told. We have been so complacent to think that we've been there, seen that, and done it. Our eyes haven't seen it yet. Our ears haven't heard it yet. Neither have entered into our hearts, but I got a word for you. The camels are coming. The light has come. The Gentiles are coming. The sons are coming. The daughters are coming. They're coming. They're gathering, and our hearts are going to swell with joy. We're going to overflow with the radiance of the glory of God. It's not going to be like it was. It's going to be greater than anything the earth has ever seen. church family. It's so good to see all of you here tonight. Uh, just so you know, tonight is a little bit different. Obviously, this week we'll be uh, participating in the National Day of Prayer. And so tonight, uh, we decided to do a prayer service uh, in the same fashion that we do in our first Saturday prayer. So if you've never been to one of our first Saturday prayer services, I want to invite you to do that. I'll be here for it this coming Saturday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's literally just one hour and uh, it's just an awesome time to get together. And so tonight's service is going to be very similar to what that service will look like. So if you have any question about what does a prayer service look like, you're going to experience it tonight. Um, the only difference is the message. Uh, the message will still be a little short tonight. We want to maximize our prayer time. Um, but our message is going to be a little more themed towards the National Day of Prayer, whereas on our Saturday, first Saturday prayer, it's, it's always themed around just prayer in general. So just so you guys have that heads up, here's how, what we're going to be doing tonight. Uh, I need you, if you have tithe and offering during this first song, they're going to have the tithe and offering buckets down here at the front. If you have tithe and offering, come drop it in the bucket during the first song, because after the first song, I'm going to come back up here and share for a few moments, and they're taking the buckets away, so make sure you get that in. But thank you so much for being here with us tonight, and if you're joining us via live stream, we're so glad that you're with us as well. Tonight's going to be a powerful night. All right, if you guys would stand up with us, we're going to jump right into praise and worship this evening.
scripture with you a little bit in honor of National Day of Prayer being this week and us wanting to honor that and spend some time praying uh, for this nation. Uh, I want to just set some groundwork for us for how as Christians we should approach this. So my message tonight, it'll be short, I promise, and, and I'm going to kind of read from my notes because I want to get through it quickly for you and not, you know, rabbit trail. But my message title is this, Exiles in America. A Christian approach to life in America as people of God's eternal kingdom. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Let's stop right there. I'm going to say something that might be a little shocking to some of you, but it's important. I am not an American Christian. I am a Christian living in America. And that subtle ordering of words is subtle, but the difference is really important. Peter writes to these believers. They were Gentile Christians, meaning they weren't Jewish. 
They weren't from Israel. They were people who lived in all these different cities scattered around Asia Minor, and they had come to believe in Jesus. And he writes to these believers and he calls them exiles, which would have been really weird because an exile means a stranger, a foreigner. It means that where you're at is not your home. But these people have probably lived in these cities their entire lives. Like this is probably where they grew up. It's probably the language they knew, the culture that they knew. And yet he's writing to these believers and he's calling them exiles. Why would he do such a thing? If we go into chapter two, verses nine and 10, Peter says this to these same people. He says, you are a chosen people. Now remember, he's talking to believers in multiple different cities. This would have been one of his circular letters that would have been passed from group to group. So when we hear what he's saying, we can't think of it just as an isolated. He's speaking to believers everywhere. And he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Check this out. A holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter calls the believers exiles because in Christ, they belong to a new nation. In Christ, they belong to a new family. In Christ, all of their belonging has been reoriented. They're no longer members, or they shouldn't view themselves as members of their native land or their native social class or their native ethnicities. No, Peter wants them to embrace a new identity, that whoever you once were is not who you are anymore. Now you are in Christ. You're a foreigner in, in exile where you, where you like exist in this world, but you're members of a different kingdom. You're members of a holy nation. We're talking about how as Christians we're to approach something like a national day of prayer. And Peter would start off with saying, hey, remember as you pray for the nation, this is not your home. This isn't where you belong. If you're in Christ, you're a member of a brand new nation. It's God's nation, it's his holy nation. And this is how Christians from all over the world are to view themselves. We are strangers and foreigners, even in the land of our birth, because we belong to a new kingdom. So yes, I am not an American Christian. I am a Christian living in America. Now the question we need to ask next is this, how should we live as Christians in America or in any other nation we may find ourselves in around the world? Peter continues. In chapter 2, verses 11 through 17, he says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, there it is again, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now let me just stop for a moment and just briefly hit this. Remember, he's consistently calling them foreigners and exiles, and he's writing to pagan converts. These are people that were not Jewish. They weren't raised in the Torah of God's word and all that. These are people that are foreigners and they've been brought in. And he's telling them, hey, abstain from the sinful desires. In other words, the cultures that you once belonged to, you don't belong anymore. And some of what the culture represents, you have to say no to. Church, we live in America and I'm telling you, there's parts of American culture we have to say no to if we're gonna be faithful to the new nation that we've been called into, right? We'll keep going. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourself, listen to this, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Why? Because that's where you belong now. Fear God, why? Because he's king of kings and lord of lords and only his kingdom will last for eternity. And honor the emperor. Now maybe we don't get the gravity of what Peter is saying here, but Peter is a man who lived 
almost his entire life under the rule of the emperor. And so he's telling these Christians, who, by the way, are about to be severely persecuted by the Romans when Nero comes in and starts this massive persecution. Like, they're about to start being murdered for their faith in Jesus. And what is Peter telling them? Honor the emperor. Submit to the authority. Fear God. What's he saying? As much as we can, we submit to the authority of the land we live in as exiles up until the point when their authority tries to get us to contradict what God says we should do. I'm going to say something, and I want you to hear my heart here. Because what Peter is talking about is the church being the most unoffensive people in the world so that the gospel becomes very attractive. And how we as foreigners and exiles in the nation that we exist in conduct ourselves can make the gospel seem offensive or attractive. When we talk badly about the authority of the nation that we live in, do you think that's appealing? I'm going to reference this one because I see it a lot, you know, on social media and stuff. I'm going to just bring it up. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to condemn or anything like that. I just want to bring it up. When we read what Peter says to the believers, how we're to conduct ourselves, honor the emperor, submit to the authority, as much as we're able to, as long as it doesn't conflict with God's word, we can't say things about, well, I know I'm supposed to pray for them, so I pray that something happens so that they're out of the picture. How is that honor? Right? So, and it could be a joke, and I hope that it is a joke, but here's the thing. If, if you're outside of the Christian family looking in and you see those kind of comments, do you think the gospel is offensive or attractive? Because God's trying to save the emperor too. You're tracking with me. There's a, there's a way in which Christians are instructed to embrace the world we live in, and it's as foreigners and exiles, we kind of stand outside of it knowing this isn't a denial of I was born in America, I'm a citizen here, but it's a transcendent thing to say, I know that I live here, I know this is my native land, but I know that I now belong to something greater. And my allegiance is completely to that thing, right? So Peter urges us as foreigners and exiles to know that we have a new identity in Jesus and part of that identity is that we aren't home. We don't belong as citizens of any nation other than the holy nation of God's eternal kingdom. So how should we as members of God's holy nation living as exiles and foreigners in America conduct ourselves? He says, live godly lives so that the pagans, meaning the non-believers, take notice and glorify God. Live submitted to the authorities of the land up until the point that their commands cause us to live in rejection of God's authority. He says we're to honor the authorities of the nation we live in as exiles. And we're to love our new family, the holy nation, the Christian, the church, the global church. We live in the fear of God. And as we do all of this, we are supposed to seek the good of the land as foreigners and strangers. This comes from Jeremiah chapter 29. God, because of Israel's unfaithfulness, has brought judgment on them. And they're being exiled to the nation of Babylon, where they're going to be there for 70 years. And there's a bunch of false prophets running around telling them that they're not going to be there that long. God's going to rescue them. And the true prophet shows up and says, no, you're going to be exiles for 70 years. But here's what God wants you to do as exiles. He says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. That's Jeremiah 29, four through seven. So as foreigners and exiles, members of God's holy nation, how should we pray for the nation that we live in on a national day of prayer? We have some guides down here and we're gonna go into a time of personal prayer and they're to help you, guide you in what you want to pray about. But let's start with this. As foreigners and exiles in this nation, belonging to a kingdom that's greater than this one, we pray God's kingdom come. 
We pray for righteousness to rule. We pray for evil and wickedness to end. We pray for the truth to prevail. We pray for justice to flourish. We pray for the salvation for the lost. We pray for our enemies remembering that the true enemy is the kingdom of darkness that influences the nations away from God. I want you to remember, church, that people aren't your enemy. The kingdom of darkness that influences them is. Church, I want you to remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save people and to destroy the works of darkness and death. Jesus is saving people. It's important we don't get those two things confused. So as we, be, as we break up into our personal prayer time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to use the guides that we have up front to lead you into how to pray for these things. And we want you to pray for the things that you have deep convictions about at the national level. Some of us are gonna have different convictions from others, and that's why I'm not giving you specific topics of what to pray about on a national level. We want you to pray about what your convictions are at the national level. But as we do so, we need to remember who we are here. Foreigners and exiles, living in the fear of God, honoring what God has established in this nation, seeking its good, but we're here to advance the gospel, right? And so these guides, whether you wanna pray about the sanctity of marriage, the craziness concerning gender identity and sexual orientation, whether your convictions are regarding politics or abortion or immigration, whatever it is that's burning on your heart, these prayer guides are gonna help you pray to remember that you're an ambassador of Christ in his kingdom. They're gonna help you to pray God's kingdom come over whatever area you're praying about. We pray for God's desires and plans to happen, not our own, what God wants, right? We pray for those in authority that they would govern and make decisions based on wisdom and righteousness and justice. We pray for all those in this nation that they would have their eyes open to see the truth of Jesus and to turn to faith in him. We pray for the defeat of the kingdom of darkness and its influence on this nation. And we pray that we as the church would be the city on a hill, that we would be a recognizable place of hope and rescue for those lost in the darkness. That's how we pray. So whatever your convictions are, use these guides to help you pray over those convictions. And in doing so, we will be honoring God with how we pray for this nation that we live in as foreigners and exiles. The worship team's gonna come up and play one more song to lead us into that time of personal prayer. And when they're done, you're free to move about the sanctuary and pray on your own. And then I'll come back about uh, 10 minutes left of the service and we'll pray corporately together as a church. Come rest on us, come rest on us. Fire. 
few minutes of corporate prayer here and here's what I would love to do because I don't want to feel like I'm alone if it's corporate prayer. If, you, if you're able and you're willing, will you come down to the front with me? I want to get down on the ground level with you and we're going to pray over this nation together. Yeah, come on down. It's all right. It won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. I'm breaking the script a little bit. It'll be cool. It'll be cool. Here's how it'll work. I'm just going to pray, and if I'm praying something that you're like, spot on, buddy, you just throw an amen in there every once in a while. If I'm praying for something really resonant, you can join in the prayer with me, and I'm going to just lead it, and then in a few minutes, I'll say amen. That's how it's going to work, all right? All right, Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we, God, we need you. We need you, Father. You, you know more than any of us, Father. You see, Father, everything happening in this nation. God, and we're here as as foreigners and as exiles, Father, but we're ambassadors of your kingdom here to proclaim your truth and your righteousness, Father, to this nation. Father, we're here to seek the good of this nation. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us your spirit of wisdom. Give us wisdom, Father, to declare your truth and, Father, to bathe it in your grace. Father, we pray for your mercy to just be over this nation. God, we pray for the leaders of this nation from the, from the smallest level to the highest office in this nation. God, we just pray for your spirit of wisdom to be on all of the leadership. Father, that they would govern in righteousness, in truth, and in holiness. Father, they don't even have to be followers, Lord. You have authority in the earth. All authority was given to your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you would just lead this nation, lead the, the people that lead this nation, Father, in holiness and righteous and truth and justice, Father. We need you and help us as your church, God, to be the city on a hill. Father, that we would be a noticeable, a noticeable place of hope and rescue. God, I pray that we're a place of hope and rescue. Father, there are lost people all around us, Lord. May they know that your church is a safe refuge. Father, where they can come to find truth, they can come to find forgiveness, they can come to find healing, Father. Let your church shine in this time, in this nation, Father. God, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, Father, what you desire to take place in this nation, Father, the righteousness and justice, Father. We pray that it would come like a flood. Father, that you would give your church a holy boldness. Father, that we wouldn't be afraid to declare your truth. Father, help us, God, to intercede for this nation. God, give us a heart for the people of this nation. God, we wanna see salvation flood the streets. God, we wanna see the lost get found. God, we need your help though. We need your help. Without your spirit going before us, Father, nothing matters. We need you to go before us. We need you to be behind us. We need you to be on our left and on our right and above and below us, Father. We need your spirit to go with us because if you don't go with us, Father, there's no point in us going. So I pray that as your people, we would humble ourselves and we would seek your face, God. That you would fill our mouths with your words. God, that you would send us out like your prophets of old to proclaim your truth, Father, and just like Jonah to the city of Nineveh, Father, as we speak your message, Father, we would see this nation come to repentance. Father, that salvation would come to this nation. God, we pray in the highest offices of this nation, Father, that salvation would come. But God, we need you. We need you to teach us how to walk in your love. We need you to teach us how to walk in patience. You're so patient with us, Father. Help us to walk in patience with those who are far from you. God, we come against the breakdown of truth in this nation. Father, we rebuke it. We rebuke the enemy. We rebuke the spirit, Father, that would bring an erosion to truth, simple truth. Father, we, we curse in the name of Jesus the spirit that would come to destroy the sanctity of marriage in this country. God, we need truth. We need your truth. Lord, raise us up. This is our time. 
This is our moment, Father. You have placed us here in this nation for such a time as this, Father. This is our moment to rise up and shine your truth, Lord. Your word says that your light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So I pray, Father, that you would send us, your church, into the darkest places of this nation, that your light would break forth in those places. And Father, the things that people thought could never be changed, Father, would be radically transformed by your power and by your glory and by the proclamation of your gospel, that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, that everywhere we go proclaiming the name of Jesus, lives are being changed, healing is happening, forgiveness is happening, transformation's taking place, rent, repentance is coming like a flood. Father, we thank you that times of refreshing can come in this nation. Father, we thank you that you've called us and you've appointed us and you've call, called us your chosen people, your holy nation, your special possession, Father, that we could declare the praises of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that this is our moment and I pray that we would rise up to it. Father, I pray that we would not, Father, cower, that we would not hide, that we would not be ashamed but Father, at every opportunity that you give us, that you would give us the words to speak boldly and clearly your gospel. And as it's proclaimed in this nation, Father, we pray that you would move your hand, God, to perform signs and wonders, that miracles would flow from heaven, that people might know that the gospel is real. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you that this moment is not a surprise to you. But Father, you have prepared us for this moment in time. And we will rise to the occasion, Father. Lead us and guide us faithfully as your church. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, live streamers, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you Sunday morning. You be blessed. Church, if you would.